sometimes I feel like we're really obnoxious, but I was listening to a podcast the other day and the hosts were literally burping into the mic while like in the middle of speaking and I was like, well, at least Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, I was going to say at least we don't do that, but I do drop the mic. You also do burp into the mic and you also sneeze into the mic <laughs> and you also go and blow into the but mic. But I know you're not going to keep it in. If I knew you were going to keep it in, I wouldn't do that. Okay. And, and, I... and, and it is funny to sneeze into the mic. It's really not. <laughs> it is funny. Because there I, when I was at school and I, I don't know if it was the most recent episode or when, what, but I was at school in like the quiet study zone of the library, <laughs> editing this podcast with earbuds, listening so I can edit. And then at some point you just like stopped talking. And I assumed it was because like, you know, maybe there was a dog outside or like, yeah. you know, how we stop talking when there's like background noise. So I thought that was what was happening. And then all of a sudden I just hear the loudest sound <laughs> ever. And it scared the absolute living shit out of me. So that if you sneeze into the mic one more time, I'm quitting the podcast. <laughs> Anyways, uh, welcome. My name is Taylor. My name is Kayla. Thanks. This is episode 10. We yeah, did it. episode 10. 10 episodes. 10 episodes. And this was an episode that we let our fellow followers pick. Oh, our, I was going to say our three followers. I was going to make a joke. But we actually, today we hit 200 followers on Instagram. Oh, really? And I was going to post it. I was going to take a screenshot and put it on our story. But then I was like, no, someone's going to unfollow us now if I post yeah, that. Yeah, someone's going to be. And it would have been me. Yeah. So I, I would have like, just I'm unfollowed. Not gonna, I'm not going to put myself through that. Yeah. But cool. That's cool. 200. Before you know it, we're going to have more followers on the podcast uh, Instagram than I have on my actual Instagram. How many do you have on your actual Instagram? I have... Like, I think you have more than me. No, I don't think so. I think we have similar. I think I have like 300 Oh, something. wow. I also Three, have... 350, 340, something like that. 329. Well, first of all, this is episode 10. We're covering The Shining. Of the Taylor Swift no. horror podcast. We're covering The Shining, which was voted on by our 200 fo Instagram followers now. <laughs> I think six people voted in the poll, maybe, or like seven. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, they're loyal. Yeah. I like them. Uh, like this movie too. was made in 1980, if you want to do your Kayla's... Actually, let me just get through the basics of it. So this movie was directed by Stanley Kubrick well-known director and everything that i've read about this movie has basically in some way shape or form said that stanley kubrick is an asshole and a terrible I, director i read that too yeah and everyone thinks that he's so great when in reality he's kind of bad um this is starring jack nicholson who plays jack shelly duvall who plays wendy and danny lloyd who plays danny um the budget for this movie was $19 million, and it's Kayla's favorite question. How much did this movie make in the box office? The budget was $19 million. 
Okay, I'm going to say 237 million. 237 million? Oh, no. I got really excited. I thought you were telling me that was the right amount. 47.3 million. Fuck. <laughs> I just took a guess because room 237. Oh. Um, it is, a, it on IMDb, it is an 8.4 out of 10. On Rotten Tomatoes, it is an 82%. And Letterboxd, it is a 4.3 out of 5 stars on Letterboxd. So this is probably overall the highest rating we've had for a movie. So what's your Kayla's question? I think this is a pretty good one. Okay. What's the worst dream you've ever had? The worst dream I've mm-hmm. ever had? Well, do night terrors count? Sure. Okay. I tell this one often because it was like a night terror that like sleep paralysis night terror thing that i had Mm -hmm. several times because i feel like night sleep paralysis episodes it's the same thing over and over and over again yeah so i was asleep in bed this was when i was living with my mom Mm -hmm. and the way it was is kind of pretty much the front door and then it's like a straight shot to like the hall like the small hallway where like it's it was an apartment so like where my, the door to my bedroom was, and then across this short little hall was the door to my mom's bedroom. Mm-hmm. So I'd be, like, my eyes would be open, and I'd be awake, and I'd be laying in bed, and I couldn't move. But my head would be propped up a little bit, so I'd be staring mm-hmm. at the door. And my TV would be on, because I'd fall asleep with the TV on. Mm-hmm. But it would be, like, static, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't be making any noise. Mm-hmm. So I could hear, like, everything. And then I'd hear rattling on the doorknob, like someone like trying to open the door. Mm-hmm. And then the rattling turns to like banging, mm-hmm. and it's like starts off like slow, and then it gets like more frantic and more frantic mm-hmm. and more frantic. And then all of a sudden the door it like stops, mm-hmm. and then the door just opens. <laughs> And my mom has this thing on her door because I, when I used, I don't know if it's because of this, but when I used to work late, I think it's just because she likes to know when the door's opening or mm-hmm. not. Um, she had like a little thing that like went on the door that kind of had a bell on it. Mm-hmm. So when the door would open, you'd hear this bell like jingle. Mm-hmm. And so like the banging would stop and you'd, the door would open and you'd hear, I'd hear the, the bell mm-hmm. jingle. And then all of a sudden I hear footsteps, like big, heavy, like footsteps. Mm -hmm. And like, it seemed like disproportionate, like the amount of footsteps being taken to the Mm -hmm. like distance from the front door to my bedroom door. Like they were walking a longer distance than there actually was, Mm -hmm. but there'd be like slow, heavy footsteps that turned into running. (laughs) You don't like running. fucking hate it. (laughs) And... I think this is probably why I hate it. And then I my door handle to my bedroom door would be would wiggle. Mm-hmm. And then you'd hear I'd hear knocking which turned into banging on the door. Mm-hmm. And then my door just kind of slowly opens and then there's just this huge like shadow man mm-hmm. standing there. Mm-hmm. And it slowly gets closer and closer and closer and then it basically like Gets to the foot of my bed and then, like, falls on me. God. And then that's when I wake up. Ugh, and gross. that would happen several times. Gross. Like, I've had, I had I that, it. like, scenario happen yeah, several no, times. No, absolutely not. And so I'm so thankful that I don't, I don't know what happened, 
but I just stopped having night terrors. But yeah. Yeah, that's that sounds awful. Anyways, what about you? Um you know, I thought about this a lot and I actually thought I would have a good answer to this because I do have a lot of dreams and I have pretty vivid dreams and I'm able to mm-hmm. remember them a lot. But I think, I mean, outside of, I have a lot of emotionally disturbing dreams, but that would just involve me like trauma dumping on the pod, um, which yeah, I don't usually think involves is, like someone dying. Yeah. But I will say, I mean, and then. And I don't have, and I'm saying this and, you know, knock on wood, I don't have gory dreams or anything like that normally. Like, I don't have violent dreams. Um, I know some people do, and I would hate that. Um, But I don't have those. I I think the worst dream I ever had, though, what I think I will not talk about it on the pod because it was was rather disturbing. But the, the worst dream I can remember having as a child... I was maybe like maybe six, maybe something like that. And I, I had a dream that my mom got run over by a truck and Jesus died. Jesus Christ. Which is not, I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world, but I mean, that, I mean, that would be horrible if that happened, but it's not the worst dream I can think of. But I think at that age, it was, I mean, of course it was horrifying, but it was also the first time I think I, I think that dream helped me come to terms and process what death actually was. Because I remember being shook to my core when I woke up. Like, I think I was just at that age where you start to understand and realize that death is permanent and death happens to everyone. So I think that is why that was so scary to me at the time. So that's what stands out to me. But on a lighter note, um, I once had a horrible, horrible dream when I was probably like, couldn't have been much older than three or four, that um, a giant mole um, jumped out of a hole and ate me. And to this day, I think moles are really gross. Your dreams are wild. (laughs) And I never remember my dreams. And every morning it is like some crazy acid trip that you went on in the middle of the night. I do have weird dreams. And I actually did back in the day when I... You kept a dream journal. Yeah, I did a lot of dream work back in the day. And I actually would like to get back into it again because it was very interesting. Well, okay. Well, then let's... Let Jump me do it, a synopsis real quick because okay. we stopped doing that. It's a really short one. Okay. Uh, so this is The Shining, made in 1980. A family heads to an isolated hotel for the winter where a sinister presence influences the father into violence while his psychic son sees horrific forebodings from both past and future. All right. That was a pretty good synopsis. So I do have some fun facts that are just a general gist of the movie. Okay. Um, and then like fun facts for specific scenes that I'll tell later as Jehujoel. But anyway, to get Jack Nicholson so agitated, he was fed only cheese sandwiches for two weeks straight. And Jack Nicholson hates cheese sandwiches. (laughs) That would also agitate me. Yeah. Um, It's a pretty well-known thing that Shelley Duvall, who plays Wendy, went through a lot during this movie. Even Jack Nicholson would say that, you know, this was probably the, she probably had the heart, not probably, she had the hardest role out of anyone in that movie and out of anyone that he has ever worked with since then. Um, Shelley Duvall actually suffered from a nervous, from nervous exhaustion throughout filming, 
which included several, you know, physical ailments just from stress. And she also lost a lot of hair from how stressed she was. And that goes without saying that Stanley Kubrick was the hardest on Shelley Duvall. He kind of told everyone on set and I think even like fellow actors that, you know, to not, to kind of belittle her, Mm -hmm. to make her feel that hopelessness that Wendy feels, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay, my first note for this whole thing is that I kind of want to stay in a haunted hotel. Just for I one mean, night. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I see a lot of... I've um, I've sort of, like, consumed a lot of content of people staying in haunted hotels. You know, like, YouTube videos, and I've seen TikToks and stuff like that. And it doesn't really look like anything actually ever really happens. They're always like, this is the most haunted hotel in the world. And they bring, like, all this ghost equipment and stuff, and then nothing actually happens. So I would be, I would, I mean, I'd be down. Why not? As long as it wasn't, like, super expensive because it's, like, a haunted, there is, I think, a really haunted hotel in Santa Paula. I've heard of that, yeah. We should go to there. We should go to there. Yeah. All right. Well, so, I mean, I guess, you know, we start, we've got this shot of, you know, someone, we will later figure out who it is, but someone's driving through this. Driving and driving and driving and driving yeah, and well, driving there's and driving a lot of driving, driving that and driving. goes on. Um, through this just kind of foresty mountain area. Um, but, I mean, pretty, you know, open road. Yep. Lots of woods. Um, there's a sort of... A f- letter what do you call it lettering or just what what's the like word a title card like a, yeah says, like a title uh, card interview um yes interview and this happens a number of times throughout the movie and it says the interview mm-hmm. so a man walks into this hotel we will learn that his name is jack torrance um he has an interview and the lady at the front desk tells him where to go he walks down the hall and he meets mr ullman i um, don't know if you've noticed but the layout when they're walking from room to room and even this first like establishing shot where he's walking from the lobby to the office where he meets like i think his name last name's ullman mr ullman mm-hmm. it doesn't make any sense his yeah, office shouldn't have a window mm-hmm. it is confusing. It, it, like yeah. the layout is very kind of convoluted yeah um um we find out that uh, Jack is a former teacher. Mm-hmm. He's writing now, which is why he is really looking forward to this solitude so that he can uh, focus on writing, detach from everything else. And um, the hotel can't stay open during the winter because it's on the top of this hill. And even though the skiing would be choice during mm-hmm. the winter, they can't afford to keep the roads open during the winter because of the snow. So, so Jack m- is being hired as a caretaker, basically, of the place during the winter. And mm-hmm. Jack is like, this is great. I'm a writer. This will work well. I need five months of peace and quiet. And Mr. Ullman is like, well, think again. Because actually, the last guy who had this job had a breakdown, and he killed his family with an axe, and then he killed himself. But it was probably just cabin fever. So it's no big deal. Yeah. You seem it's like, like a strong-headed man <laughs> and jack is like well that's not gonna happen to me so don't worry and my wife likes scary movies so this, this is, is great she's, yeah. gonna, she's love gonna love that it. there's a spooky <laughs> thing that had happened here uh and then we see wendy mm-hmm. with danny 
And Wendy's reading Catcher in the Rye, and I've never read that book. Oh, is she? I didn't catch that. Yeah, she's reading Catcher in the Rye. I've read Catcher in the Rye. It deeply disturbed me. Never read that book. Probably should read it. You've never read any classics, though, have you? Mm, unless I was forced to from school. But you no. missed out on so much good. Um, yeah, my fucking honors English teacher in, like, freshman year of high school made us read Up in the Air by John Krakauer. And that was the worst fucking book I've, I've ever read. read. I've that. also read Grapes of Wrath because my mom forced me to. Mm, Grapes of Wrath is not that good. But, um. No, it's terrible. There's a lot of good ones that you should read. Anyways, this is when we also meet Tony, <laughs> who is, from Wendy's perspective, it is Danny's imaginary friend. But it's actually probably the devil. Danny says that, no, mom, it's actually a little boy who lives in my mouth, <laughs> which is so fucking creepy. Kids say the creepiest thing. Kids say the darnest things. I have this theory that Tony is Danny from the future. Yeah, I don't, are we supposed to find out? Are we supposed to, like, know what Tony is? I don't think so i don't really know i know here's the thing is that just a disclaimer i know that there's a lot of people that are obsessed with the shining and all of the Mm -hmm. symbolisms Mm -hmm. and things like that we are not those types of people no i mean i'm sure though you could go on for days with theories i I know there's several documentaries there's several like full-on like tv Mm -hmm. series movies whatever probably whole podcast dedicated to analyzing the shining this isn't that. We're just literally going to go through the movie. And if that is a wealthy or they're well-known things and like iconography throughout this film, you're not going to get it from us because <laughs> we don't know what we're talking about. So, uh, yeah, we don't have like that pretentious sort of view of this movie. Yeah, I mean, not necessarily pretentious. It's just I, I don't I don't think about this movie very often. So... Also, I want to say um, Danny's fit is fire in this scene. <laughs> um, but Danny is talking to his weirdo imaginary friend in the mirror. Um, Jack calls Wendy to let her know that he got the job. And Danny blacks out. And he, we've got yeah. these. So I think he has a seizure, I think is what's I think happening. They, I think I think. The doctor might have thought it was a seizure, but mm-hmm. when he said that there were no, like, bright lights, he didn't smell anything, mm-hmm. then that's when she was, like, I think he was just, like, in a trance of some sort. Yeah, well, because we're seeing these visions. I mean, and presumably Danny is having these visions of, of flashes of blood filling up this hallway, and, of course, we've got the, the old classic, these two creepy little girls just standing there. Mm-hmm. Um, the twins, of course, that's, like, the hallmark of, well, that's, of The Shining. Is, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we're at the doctor. We Danny wakes up and he is at the doctor. Well, we're, he's in his bed. The doctor's there in his home. Oh, it's at the house? Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize he's that. He's in his bedroom. Um, I thought he was just at the doctor's office. No. Um, well, anyway, he's with a doctor where he belongs. And the doctor's checking him out. And Danny is saying that all he remembers was he was brushing his teeth. And then his mom was telling him to wake up. And he was talking to Tony. And he was talking to Tony. This is where we find out that Tony is bad news, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, And when he gets scared, he hides in his stomach. Yes. But the doctor kind of gaslights uh, Wendy. And she's like, Danny's fine. But, like, if it happens again, we can have some tests done. Yeah. Um, Um, This is when we also learn that this kind of started when he started to go to primary school. mm -hmm. Um, Around that time, he suffered an injury and he had to be pulled out. 
The doctor asks what the injury is. Mm-hmm. And we find out that we get this little funny little lighthearted anecdote about how <laughs> Danny had scattered some of Jack's school papers. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack came home, got pissed, mm-hmm. grabbed him, used was, a little bit too much drunk. force. He was he's drunk drinking. and grabbed him mm-hmm. and dislocated his shoulder. Mm-hmm. And, but now he's five months sober. Yep. So, so that's great. Everything is great. Um, and then and then that's it. And then we get another title card that says closing day. Yep. The three of them are driving up the mountain. They're having like a weird conversation about cannibalism. Um, but everything is great. They're like they all seem to be in a decent mood. They they Wendy's feeling good. I don't think Danny really wants to go, but he's like five, so he doesn't have a choice. Yeah. And um I am going to say right now, this is my dream come true. If we got paid for you, me, and Stevie to stay in a giant hotel for the entire winter and do nothing. And and, it's a fully stocked kitchen. have a perfectly valid excuse to never see or speak to another person the whole winter, I would eat that shit up. Just play in the snow outside. Oh, my God. That would be amazing. But, um, But I don't know. Danny is not, like, super on board. And I think Wendy's fine with it, but she's not as excited as jack and i don't know why i would be so excited i feel like i mean danny's a five-year-old boy he probably doesn't want to stay in a hotel he wants to see his friends and wendy seems wendy seems like more of a social butterfly whereas wendy wendy is a boss ass bitch yeah and i will talk more about this later but Wendy's a boss ass bitch. Yeah. And it just definitely seems like Wendy is more of a social type of butterfly. She needs those social interactions. Whereas Jack Which is probably sense. maybe a little bit more introverted. But he mainly is focused on writing his book or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So um, I just like to point out that there is absolutely no way in hell that all of their luggage fit in that tiny ass <laughs> car. I know. There is no way that that happened. Ever. Ever, ever, ever. But um, Danny has found his way to the game room. Mm-hmm. He's throwing darts. Mm-hmm. And turns out that they're the twins. Yeah, they're just standing there staring at him in their weird little blue dresses. And they just kind of stare at him and walk away. Fun fact. The twins aren't twins. Oh, really? They are not twins. Um, they, the Grady girls, they're not actually twins. They're 8 and 10 years old. Okay, interesting. I mean, sometimes, though, you meet those those siblings that could easily be twins. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, they're getting a tour of the place. They see their apartment. There's a hedge maze. There's a snow vehicle called, they call a snow a cat. Snow cat. Um, there's a big ballroom, but they take all the alcohol out, which is a huge bummer. They also say the typical bullshit. Well, I mean, it's not bullshit, but it's like the Indian burial ground. Oh, yeah. They, like, yeah. <laughs> pretty much everything in America is an Indian burial ground. Right, right. There's a kitchen with this big walk-in freezer and a, a big pantry with lots of food. There's a ton of food in there. And, of course, they have to show the wife the kitchen. Yeah, yeah. I just thought of... Um, it's the 80s. I just thought of uh, Julian Salamita being like, big more wife. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, it, again, if... If we got the opportunity to live here, I would do nothing probably but cook. Sick. At, like, as a good wife should. Cook more wife. Yeah. <laughs> also, we find out her name's Winifred. Yeah, which I, we talked about this while the movie. While I would we go by Winnie. It. I don't think Winifred is horrible, to be it's honest. It's not. I think it's cute. 
I do like I do prefer Winnie. I would I would go by or Yeah. I or, just didn't know yeah. that Wendy like was short for Winifred. I would have said maybe Windy. 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 I don't think Wendy usually is short for Winifred though. Maybe. I think most people who are named Wendy are just named Wendy. After the hamburger. Uh, they meet the head chef, and his name is Dick, and he immediately has something weird going on with Danny. Uh, at the time, so now, now I, that I've watched the whole movie, I understand that it's some kind of like psychic connection that they've got. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I wrote down, uh, Danny is either delusional or Dick is messing with his head. Yeah, but uh, I just I referred to him as Chef this entire okay. time because not because i didn't want to call him dick but because i didn't remember his name i have referred to him as dick throughout this so we'll just make a note here that dick and chef are the, same, the same person, person. <laughs> uh chef knew danny's nickname which was doc uh-huh. they call him mm-hmm. doc because of bugs bunny and honestly wendy caught on to the fact that they hadn't said doc so how did he know that mm-hmm. his nickname is doc i don't know if i would have caught that Oh, yeah. I and maybe I if I did say something, the moment that the chef is like, well, I must have heard you say it then. I would have been like, yeah, you're right. <laughs> I wouldn't be like, mm, I don't think so. <laughs> but, I mean, Wendy is very observant. She's smart. She's independent. I've so said of course it before. I am, I am far too stupid to exist in a horror movie. Yeah. So, um, But Dick does take Danny away to have some ice cream. And I did. I said that this is a throwback to the days when you could let a stranger take your child for ice cream and they wouldn't get kidnapped. Yeah. Because nowadays you would never let your child go with a strange yeah. man to get ice no. cream. That's a big no-no. Dick does take Danny for ice cream. And while they're eating ice cream, Dick sort of sort of creepily tells Danny that the two of them have a telepathic connection, which, again, now you would probably get arrested for that. Yeah, but Um, uh, Chef tells Danny that he could, well, he was able to have full conversations with his grandma without mm -hmm, even opening their mouths. Yeah, so this is something he's had since he was a kid. I think his grandma was the one who called it Shining. The Shining, yeah. And (laughs) I wrote, this is why you don't let your kids get ice cream with strangers. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But it turns out Tony tells Danny to not talk about Shining. Right, which is an, yeah. And that's why no one around him knows that it's a thing. Uh-huh. And, and, um, Danny tells Dick, I believe, that Tony tells Danny to do things, mm-hmm. which is a red flag. Um, yeah. but then, um, Dick gives us this quote that I really, really like. Um, he says, Some places are like people, some shine and some don't. Oh, yeah, I like, I like that. that. And he says that the Overlook Hotel shines. Yeah. And uh, uh, we find out Danny can see all the bad things that are happening mm-hmm. or have happened or are it's going psychic, to happen. basically. Yeah. yeah. And Danny asks about room 237. Chef does not like room 237. No. He says, you just stay out. There's nothing in there for you. Mm-hmm. And then it's one month later. Yep. We are one month into this whole shebang. And I love this because Wendy is delivering this giant breakfast to Jack just on a silver platter. And it looks amazing. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. This is supposed to be Jack's job and Wendy is the only one doing any actual work. Yeah. Wendy's (laughs) the one preparing all of these things. (laughs) Wendy's the one who knows how the radio works. Mm -hmm. Wendy's also the one we see later doing all the boiler stuff. I'm like, hmm, Jack. And, And here's the thing. And if, again... 
if Rochelle ever listens to this podcast, this is something that she and I talk about sometimes, it sort of goes back to this general truth that men tend to fall the fuck apart in situations where women would not. And I think this movie is a beautiful example of that. (laughs) Women know how to get shit done any time of the day, (laughs) all the time, no matter what. Um, Oh, I also want to say, just really quickly, they're doing an awful lot of smoking. Which, how are they getting cigarettes? Do they just have a ton there? Maybe they have cigarettes there. I guess. they. I would assume that a hotel would sell cigarettes at this point in time. So they, just so they might just stop. have them kind of like in the pantry, yeah. like a necessity. Mm-hmm. Um, Jack says that he loves the hotel. He loves it, yeah. He felt as though he's been there before. Wendy kind of thinks it's a little creepy. Danny doesn't really like it that much. Um, but they decide they're just, you know, making the best of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wendy and Danny go out into the maze. Mm-hmm. And they just have a good old time. They get yeah. to the center of it. They're blah, having blah, blah, fun. Blah, blah. And Jack is throwing a very loud ball against the wall when he's presumably supposed to be writing because mm-hmm. we see the typewriter there. Yeah. Um, I mean, so far, this whole thing isn't so bad. It's like COVID lockdown, but before COVID existed. Yeah. And you also had a huge hotel and mm-hmm. you weren't just stuck in your tiny like house. Um, but Jack is kind of distracted from his, his work and he's looking at this diagram of the hedge maze mm-hmm. and he sees like a, a mini Wendy and Danny walking through it because you see Wendy's big red coat so you know it's supposed to be her. I don't know if he sees that or, or if it's just like imagery like he's yeah. looking down at the maze and then they do a cool like transition. I think that's, that's interesting. what that was. Oh, okay. I didn't. I thought he was seeing it, so that's interesting. I don't think so. I don't think at this point he's completely lost his mind yet. I mean, he does fall apart in my in my opinion, at least, pretty quickly. So yeah. Um, but anyway, it's Tuesday now. Um, Wendy, Wendy, excuse me, is cooking again while Jack is. She is ripping open a huge can of fruit cocktail. Mm-hmm. While Jack is presumably doing nothing again. Mm-hmm. Danny is riding his tiny little car bike. His big wheel. Big wheel? Yeah. I don't know what that is. Trike, a big wheel. Well, he's riding his big wheel down the halls. Also, when Wendy's preparing dinner, you hear on the radio or the TV, I don't remember which one it was, that there's a snowstorm coming. Yes. But anyways, continue. Um, Danny is riding. He passes the forbidden room 237. Um, And he tries to open the door, but it won't move. No, it's locked. Uh, yeah, it's locked, which is probably for the best at this point. And it is also clear at this point that Jack is not doing too great. He's he's just like being a jackass to Wendy. And yeah. he says that she can't come in and bother him anymore. He's basically like, if you hear me typing or you don't hear me typing mm-hmm. or whatever the fuck you think I'm doing yeah. in here, just if I'm in here, don't bother me. Yeah, see, to me, he, again, he falls apart kind of quickly. Yeah. He definitely does, and sometimes it's hard to, because you know, the only thing that you know of is the instance with Jack and Danny, where he tugs on his, where he dislocates his shoulder, and he was drunk. Mm -hmm. But then, as far as you know, he's five months sober, because he knew that, like, you know, I'm not going to touch another drop. I hate that I did this to him. I'd mm-hmm. never want to hurt him type mm-hmm. shit. And you're like, okay, cool. Yeah. You know, you you understand you fucked up and you're being better at it. Yeah. But 
even from the very beginning with interactions with Jack and Wendy, Jack seems very, like, condescending towards yeah, Wendy. <laughs> but he's also a man in the 70s, 80s. Yeah. But I think that's one thing that kind of comes back to pl- into play later is how Jack underestimates how w- strong Wendy is. Yes. So, um... He kind of snaps at her. She's kind of like, uh, sorry, <laughs> and kind of backs away and leaves. And then it's Thursday. Mm-hmm. We went from Tuesday to Thursday. Um, Wendy and Danny are playing in the snow, having a mm-hmm. great old time. And we get Jack standing inside the lobby, staring, giving the classic Kubrick stare mm-hmm. at them. Weird Zoom. <laughs> and now it's Saturday. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, and Wendy is radioing, so I I wrote down the police station, but it must be the ranger station. I think it's the, I think later when, I think they say the forest service. The forest service. Okay, we'll call it that, the forest service. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's telling them the phones aren't working, the mm-hmm. lines have been cut, there's, you know, some power issues because of the storm. Um, and he's like, yeah, it'll probably stay like that, but anyway. Almost till May. Yeah, so that sucks. Um, you should probably keep your radio on all the time. And she's mm-hmm. like, all right, cool. Um, I like her cardigan. Oh, I didn't notice her cardigan. It's like a yellow with like Native American type of. You know, the 70s and 80s and 90s really. Fits. Fashion was good. So I especially much. love 90s fashion because it reminds me of my mom. My mom was the height of 90s fashion. Yeah. I love 70s 80s mm-hmm. fashion. It's good stuff. Real good stuff. Um the aesthetic of um the new Taylor Swift album no, is going to be 70s. Um, <sighs> is it going to be like 70s groovy music? I don't think so, but I'll fucking well, eat mean, that shit know, up. But nice. anyways, uh, Danny is is riding his big trike, a big wheel, big wheel, big wheel, big wheel, big wheel. Okay, he's riding his big wheel, and he sees the two creepy twins again. And they're, they're not twins. Okay, sorry, the two tre- creepy the girls. two girls who are sisters they're who twins. look a lot alike. They're twins, though. Like, to the general public, they're twins. But anyways, he sees them again, and they are telling Danny to come play with them forever, which doesn't... And ever. Yeah, which... And ever. (laughs) And ever. Which is not great. Um, And there's... Danny's seeing some flashbacks of them dead, covered in blood with axes. Um, we get so the sense that these are the Grady twins. Yes. So it's, the it's the daughters of the old groundskeeper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we get it. I also um, wrote pictures in a book. What does that mean? I don't know. Okay. Moving on. It's Monday. Monday. They're watching TV. They have TV, but there's no phones. Yeah. I didn't get that. Interesting. Maybe they've got. Is it like a tape? Maybe. Maybe. Hmm. Did they have tapes in the 70s? If this was made in 1980, then I'm assuming we're talking 70s. I don't know. (laughs) Anyways, Danny asks if he can go get his fire engine from his room, and Wendy's like, no, Dad just went to bed, which is like noon. Um, Yeah, I think it's, it's, you kind of get, this is establishing the fact that, like, Jack's not sleeping. Right, right. He's being up all night, probably not, you know. Which is just, I mean. Anyways, Danny is like. I promise I'll be quiet. Mm-hmm. You're like five years old. You You're don't know what quiet, quiet is. Yeah. 
Danny's about to go upstairs and make a lot of noise. <laughs> and I think that's kind of what you anticipate is going to happen. You mm-hmm. anticipate he's going to go up there. He's not going to be quiet. He's going to wake Jack up. It's yeah. all hell is going to break yeah. loose. But it's something that honestly I did not anticipate happening. And it kind of scared me a little bit more. Is, you know, he is very quiet, opens the mm-hmm. door, closes it, tiptoes. And then in the threshold, you see jack sitting up in bed Mm -hmm. definitely not asleep and when i saw it i mean it didn't like scare the shit out of me Mm -hmm. but i was like oh because i anticipated him being asleep and he's kind of coaxing danny over and they have this bizarre conversation jack tells danny that he'd never do anything to hurt him and i think now i mean i'll just say it as someone who has a severely mentally ill father I think Jack is having a lucid moment here. I think he's telling Danny that he would never hurt him. Mm-hmm. And I think he's trying to convince himself. As someone who has parents who are not mentally ill, <laughs> other than like maybe general mental illness. <laughs> the, me- the kind of mental illness that, that everyone, everyone has. <laughs> this didn't seem that weird to me. And it definitely seems more like a genuine like father, yeah, son, no, I love I, you. Yeah, I he's think holding he's being... him brushing his hair giving yeah. him kisses i like think that. he's being genuine and i think he's probably a little stressed because he realizes he hasn't had much sleep he probably realizes there's something a little off he's telling him he's tired but he's and danny's kind of like well then why don't you sleep and that's when he's like well i can't really sleep i can't fall asleep but then danny i think mentions that he doesn't like the hotel and i yeah. think this kind of brings jack back into the like craziness mm-hmm. Because that's when he starts to say that he loves the hotel and he wants to stay there forever (laughs) and ever and ever. And it's Wednesday. Um, Danny is now playing with an actual ghost because he has his toys. And it looked to me, I could have just been seeing things or not been fully paying attention, but I think the ball just rolls at him, right? It does. And you want to know something fun? Yes, I would love to. The shot of the tennis ball rolling into Danny's toys took 60 takes. Jesus Christ. Something you will notice. what reason? Is Stanley Kubrick seems to maybe have a little bit of maybe at this point undiagnosed OCD. Mm -hmm. And he is known to do a million takes of shots. Mm -hmm. Even the most minuscule shots a million times so at one point there was someone i think it's the guy who plays um chef he did a movie with stanley he did this movie with stanley kubrick Mm -hmm. he had another movie that he was doing right after they i don't remember what actor it was when i read this but the, uh, the actor that he worked with was very well known for doing things in like the first take or very few takes he wanted to do it like in in as little takes as possible Mm -hmm. And so he was on set. He did one of his first scenes. He read his lines. And after the first take, the director was like, yeah, that was great. And he broke into tears because of how traumatized he was from Stanley Kubrick making him do his scenes five million fucking times. Jesus Christ. That's a lot of my fun facts have to do with the fact that Stanley Kubrick is a maniac. Yeah, he sounds like the worst. Anyways, I love... He is wearing the cutest sweater in the I world. I love his sweater. It is the cutest sweater in the I history of the planet. I love his sweater. It is so cute. I love his it's sweater. <laughs> it's it's, it's an Apollo... USA. It's a little 
Yeah, little that, Apollo that USA giant, sweater. That giant, I have a giant Lego rocket. It is, it is so the cute. Apollo rocket. Because I fucking love space. I wonder if they ever made like, like a, replicas. I'm sure they have. They had to have. It is so. I love it so much. So cute. Someone on Etsy has had to make it. For sure. It is adorable. My birthday is coming up. Yeah, that's so. true. It is the you cutest know. thing I've ever seen in my I life. I want it. And I was honestly more upset at the fact that later this sweater gets a little ripped. It is. Than <laughs> it actually harming Danny himself. It is so cute because it looks like it was made by a child. And it's also on one it of It looks like something his children. grandma would make. Mm-hmm. Like maybe the Apollo oh thing gosh. was happening on TV. And she was like, you know what? I have a grandson and he really likes space, like rockets and stuff. And then made him this, like, sweater. It's so fucking cute. And I want it. It is not, like, I'm not, I, I, lo- I like children. I love children. If I'm going to figure out how to, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I, I love children. I'm not the kind of person who, like, like, will drool at every child or baby I see, you know. But this made my heart just get so big it is so cute him in this little sweater that is just, he's so cute and he's a very very cute kid he but is. the combination of him and the sweater i just it's so anyway cute. we'll stop talking about the sweater but it is so cute um but anyways the door to room 237 is unlocked with a key and the door is open mm-hmm. the key's still in the door um Meanwhile, Wendy, again, is the only one doing any actual work, and she hears Jack screaming. She runs to him, and he is asleep. He's screaming in his sleep. Yeah, he's fallen asleep at his desk with Mm -hmm. his typewriter. He's kind of screaming. Um, I I think all of their outfits in this scene, other than I thought Wendy was wearing overalls, like pant overalls. She's wearing, like, overall dress skirt. I thought she was wearing pants. Mm -hmm. If she were wearing pants... I'd wear this fit. I'd wear Danny's sweater. And I'd also wear Jack's fit. I think Jack's jacket is amazing. Yeah. This is now a fashion podcast. Yes. Um, <laughs> Jack's having nightmares. I really like his jacket. He says that it was the worst dream that he's ever had in his entire life. And that was the Kayla's question inspiration. Oh. Wow. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. And he says that uh, his he chopped Wendy and Danny up into a tiny million pieces yeah see this is what gave me that inspiration because i was like i have never had a dream about chopping someone else up into tiny no. pieces i've never had a dream quite like that actually i kind of have but that's beside I, the point <laughs> okay we're just gonna skip over that um, um well it was not anyway um but yeah so danny starts approaching them and wendy sees that his neck is bruised his, his sweater is torn <laughs> Um, and, but um, he won't he won't say anything he won't tell her what happened he's, he's sucking not on his thumb he's a little catatonic right mm-hmm. now he's probably in shock so once again here wendy is caring for two man children one actual child and one fully grown child. child yeah and um her first instinct is to think that jack did it to him yeah. which honestly understandable i mean yeah fair um, he seems to be kind of in a very fragile state and he has history of hurting your kid. So, yeah, it makes sense. Um, Jack's kind of losing his mind. He's walking around, kind of almost stumbling around the mm-hmm. hotel and murmuring to himself. He ends up going into the gold ballroom, empty. All the liquor has been removed. 
There's no one there. He goes to sit down at the bar. And then all of a sudden, it's fully stocked. <laughs> and there's a bartender named Lloyd. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jack and is Jack obviously... Jack and Lloyd are homies. Yeah, I mean, Jack is now even more unwell than he was before. And Lloyd is very polite. He pours Jack a drink. And he even gives it to Jack for free, which is very nice. And I think the minute Jack downs that drink, it is truly all over. If it wasn't before, I think, I think it was. I had seen something in regards to the credit that mm -hmm. they say or that Lloyd says Jack has is his soul. Mm. So that's why from this moment when he kind of accepts that like, oh, okay, yeah, whatever credit I have. Because he kind of questions it at first. He's like, well, I'd like to know who's buying my drinks, Lloyd. Mm -hmm. But when he kind of is like, meh, whatever. Uh, I think that's the moment he's just like, all right. Also, in this, so is he, is he getting, this is like imaginary alcohol, right? Is I mean, he actually I, like. I assume so. Well, is he actually getting drunk? Is he still sober? But something, <laughs> but something does happen later that makes this Lloyd thing and, or not Lloyd specifically, but the whole kind of ghosts and all the stuff that you could write off as delusions. It makes it very real, which we will get to that later okay um he is but, sitting there he's kind of doing his ranting as people at bars usually do mm -hmm. which is why i hate being a bartender or hated being a bartender he talks about how wendy is so annoying he'd never do anything <laughs> he's never laid a hand on danny well except for that one time yeah yeah but it was an accident and it happened three years ago question mark Except he's five months sober. Yeah, so it didn't happen. So time doesn't really ago. make that much sense. Yeah, no, Wendy comes running into the bar and she tells Jack that someone else is in the hotel. It's a, a strange woman is in the hotel and she tried to strangle Danny in room 237. Mm -hmm. um, meanwhile, we do get this kind of quick flash of Dick in bed watching the news. He has some I he guess some kind of psychic in vision. Florida. He's having a good time. He's having a psychic vision or premonition uh or something. I don't know. It was very loud. He's having like a shining moment. Yeah. For yeah. room two thirty seven. I and think he's starting to realize I think this is the moment where he's like, they're going into room twenty 237. Yes. And I think it's unclear at this point exactly what he sees, but he is very concerned. Mm -hmm. um and jack does go into room 237 he sees this weird ghost lady he she's sees naked. a sexy ass woman <laughs> naked in a tub and she just gets out and is just like hey <laughs> and they just start making out yep um but then she turns into this old lady so that didn't work out too well for him oh, I guess. rotting old lady oh yeah it's really it's something it, I think what they're trying to say is that in room 237, like, this lady probably died in the tub and yes. just, mm -hmm. like, decomposed in mm -hmm. the tub. Yeah. That's what I'm getting from this. Also, I know that this scene to shoot had taken, like, a really long time. I didn't write down the exact... A lot of the fun facts that I found for this movie was, like, how many takes it took to get a specific shot. Mm -hmm. And newsflash, almost every single take in this movie took a million shots. <laughs> it took almost a year to make this movie. Jesus. So... Um, the lady who is the um, sexy, beautiful young woman mm -hmm. who looks like she's Swedish um, 
she was pretty much standing naked in front of a bunch of men and mm-hmm. making out with Jack Nicholson for hours. But thankfully, she's used to being like in the nude in front of mm-hmm. a bunch of men because she was a model at the time, which mm-hmm. is, I guess, something that a lot of models had to do. Imagine a model like Gigi Hadid or Kendall Jenner having to be like naked in front of no. men and only in order to be a model. Wow, nope. what a different time. Anyway, so she was fine with that. Um, there's a cackle from the old woman, and then it cuts back to Chef. He's trying to call the hotel, but he can't get through because the phone lines are down. Um, yeah, but first, Jack has told Wendy that he went to room 237 and didn't see anything, which mm-hmm. is obviously not true. But Jack is like, well, I guess Danny just did it to himself. Um, which is like, <laughs> I don't know. Okay. I mean, sure, whatever. Okay. Um, and Danny is unwell he's just laying in bed and he's obviously having a time from everything he saw he's having these uh like the the visions of the blood um again in the red rum not great yeah red rum Um, red rum meanwhile jack has truly lost it he's seeing all these spirits in the ballroom now um he gets some more drinks from lloyd who still will not take any money from jack Mm -hmm. and a waiter accidentally spills a drink on jack and at but beforehand chef does get the four service to try to radio um yeah the them. hotel he gets up is he getting up to go go somewhere why how does he get spilled on oh i don't know i think he just gets up i don't i don't really know but he does get up um he gets spilled on crashes uh-huh. into like a waiter crashes into a waiter got a whole accident. bunch of shit on his fine ass jacket and the waiter takes him to the bathroom to clean up. And while they're in there, Jack is like, Grady, haven't I seen you before? And Grady is like, nope. And Jack is like, hmm, aren't you the caretaker here? And Grady's like, no, couldn't be me. <laughs> um, but Grady suddenly gets mad. He's like, did you know that your son is attempting to bring an outside party into this situation? And then he says, trigger warning. A slur. They say the N-word three times. I think this is a... Uh, they don't need to say this word They don't times. need to say it three times. No, They didn't they, even need to say it once. No, they didn't. <laughs> Let they alone three decided. times. It's literally one of those things where it's literally like pasta? Pasta. Pasta? <laughs> like, you don't need to say it three times. I wrote down, he says a slur, and then Jack repeats the slur, and then Grady says the slur again. again. Just in case. It was just it's, in case. It's not necessary. Not necessary. Um, didn't like that. Didn't know then, that that happens yeah, in this movie. <laughs> didn't enjoy that. And then he basically tells Jack that he needs to correct his wife and son. So, in other words, he needs to kill them. Danny is currently also unwell. He's repeating red rum to himself. We also, um, Grady says that his, he also loved the Overlook Hotel. His daughter hated it, tried to burn the Overlook down, and his wife tried to get them to lead, leave, but he corrected them. Mm-hmm. So he needs, Jack needs to do the same. Wendy's trying to leave. Yeah, Wendy wants to go. Danny... He's no longer there, Mrs. Torrance. It's the exorcist all over again, basically. Danny can't wake up. <laughs> Danny's not here, Mrs. Torrance. So Danny is possessed, presumably by Tony. I also like to mention that 
The color red is prominent in almost every single one of the scenes mm. in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Uh, Danny can't wake up. Danny's not here. Danny. It's Tony. It's Tony all the time now. It's Tony mm-hmm. party. Danny's not there. <sighs> Tony party. Uh, Jack <laughs> hears KDK1's trying to reach KDK12. The Forest Service is trying to get a hold of them. And so he goes in and he basically <laughs> steals parts out of the radio. Yeah, he just takes pieces apart. Which is like, it's just so unnerving. How he doesn't, like, smash the radio or anything like that. He unscrews it. These tiny little screws. Takes the top off and then pulls, like, three pieces out of it. And then, like, puts it back together. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, ah, weird. Um, and then it flashes to 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. Chef's on a plane. Yeah, he was so concerned. He got on an entire plane yeah. to Denver. To he go found out you can't them. reach them. All right, I'll go see them myself. Mm-hmm. And he asks the flight attendant, hey, what time are we getting to Denver? Mm-hmm. 8.20. So in 20 minutes, they're going to mm-hmm. be in Denver. Um, chef calls a homie named Larry. I don't know who I think Larry he works is. at the ranger station. He does? He, what did you call it? The forest, forest service? service? Yeah. Calls him up, says, hey, these people are messing everything up. I need to get a snowcat so I can mm-hmm. get up there. Mm-hmm. It's snowy outside, all these things. Um, Wendy then takes a baseball bat to <laughs> go see Jack. Um, well, she finds this manuscript that he's written. That's just, it just says, all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. Just over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Stanley Kubrick's assistant, assistant spent weeks <laughs> typing up. I believe it. All work and no play yeah. makes Jack a dull boy. I believe that. Weeks. Imagine that being your job. Yeah, I, that damn. doesn't shock me. And as she's looking through all of these papers, Jack approaches her from behind and is just... So I I have talked about this before. I My day job is I'm a facilitator. I'm a, a training facilitator. And today, actually, I was telling my trainees that I was saying the word context a lot. And I was like, I sound like a broken record. And this reminded me of that when I was taking notes for this because I wrote the word unwell so many times (laughs) in these damn notes. I was Mm -hmm. like, I sound like a broken fucking record. Mm -hmm. But again, he's very unwell. He's He's just, he's very threatening. He's just like, how do you Um, like it? Yeah, do and you like it? Mm-hmm. Do you like what I wrote? <laughs> and they're talking about Danny. He's just getting scarier and scarier, and he's sort of progressively stepping closer to her, and she's backing up. He's being and very he steps threatening. Closer. Yeah, he's being very threatening. I would be concerned he's if I were her. Belittling her. He, yes. I don't know, what? He's. He. She says something. I don't remember what it was. Where she's like, "I don't want to stay here anymore." He's like, mm-hmm. "You don't want to stay here anymore." <laughs> yeah, he's like mocking her. I have to say, though, that Jack Nicholson is so good at playing a crazy lunatic. He does a really good good. job. Maybe because he is a crazy lunatic. I don't know. But he does threaten her. He says he's going to bash her brains in. He says, I'm not going to hurt you. But let me finish my sentence. (laughs) I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains in. (laughs) Which is not. Yeah. Okay. That's better. Um, But she hits him in the head with the bat she which fucking whacks him it was smart of her to bring that bat 
Yeah. And she, she, knew. she, she knew something was yeah, going to happen. She knocks him out and he falls backwards down the stairs. Mm-hmm. So while he is unconscious, she manages to bring him to and lock him in the food storage room, the pantry, which is a pretty smart move. Yeah. Except she's a little bit dumb. She's trying to open the thing and she's just like pulling and pulling and pulling and then it just looks mm-hmm. over and it's still like latched and she's yeah. like whoop, pulls the latch out and then opens it. But I just thought it was hilarious. He, um, she locks him in there. He's still a little bit confused. Um, she takes a huge ass knife and then Jack hears her crying. He hears how mm-hmm. upset she is. So he decides to fake being upset yes. to get Wendy to open the door. Classic manipulation. Wendy isn't falling for it. And she's like, you know what? I'm going to take the snow cat. I'm going to go down to Sidewinder and I will bring back a doctor for and you. He's like, actually, we're not going to do that. You've got a surprise coming. <laughs> he's like, go um, look at that snow cat. Why don't you? Yeah, you do a good Jack Nicholson impression. Do I? Yeah, pretty good. Thanks. Um, yeah, so Wendy unfortunately does find out that Jack has ruined both the snowcat and the radio, so they are not trapped. They're not going anywhere anytime soon. Mm-mm. Um, and meanwhile, Jack has heard Grady outside the food storage. It's room. now four p.m. It, yes, it's four p.m. and Jack is hearing Grady outside of the uh, the food. It's, it's, it's a, a pantry. pantry, right? Yeah, the pantry uh, area. And Grady is basically roasting him. He's like, like I didn't right? Think he's you like, could do it. You don't have the balls. Yeah, he's like, your heart isn't in this. He can't manage his family. He basically, um, I think, before when he was talking to them and talking to Jack in the restroom, he was making. He was kind of saying that he needed to like beat his family up because now, them. I know, but now he's saying that he needs to do even worse to them. Yeah, which is like. But wasn't he supposed... What? Huh? Yeah. Anyways. uh, Somehow Grady, who is there but not there, who's a ghost premonition thing, uh, unlocks the doors for him. Yeah. How does that work? Yeah. This is what I was talking about earlier, right? So Grady... There must be some reality to Grady. Because he physically opens him. Yeah. I don't... So there must be something real about it. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what, but <laughs> if a smart person could let us know, that would be great. Yeah, let us know. Um, we see a snow cat coming, mm-hmm. and we also see Danny being creepy. Uh, <laughs> kind of just going red rum, red rum, and steals the knife because I guess um, Wendy just kind of fell asleep. Put the knife on the bedside table. He steals the knife. He also steals like. Chanel number no. five red lipstick, <laughs> yeah. some red scare from Katya Zamolochkova, mm-hmm. and writes red rum on the door, and then screams red rum, red rum, red rum, <laughs> and Wendy wakes up to this just horrifying scene of mm-hmm. the writing on the door and Danny being weird, and almost sees- immediately Jack starts chopping at the door with an axe. Mm-hmm. I have a fun fact okay, about okay. Jack breaking down the door. Mm-hmm. So first they had a bunch of prop doors made mm-hmm. um, for the breaking of the door uh, to make it a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. But Jack Nicholson was a volunteer fireman. So he made 
that look way too easy. So mm. they had to give him a harder door. Basically, he broke down those those doors are doors, and mm-hmm. he actually physically broke them down. They're not uh, prop doors. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So uh, Wendy does manage to get Danny out the bathroom window to escape from Jack, but she doesn't fit. No, but um, Danny gets to do a fun little slide down the thing. He does, yeah. And Wendy luckily still has this knife that she took from the kitchen. So she's able to use it to take a couple swings at Jack as he's banging down the door with the axe. Well, we get... Um, he breaks down the f- door to the like little apartment thing, that like the suite that they're in. And he's like, Wendy, I'm home. And Wendy can't fit. And this is when you get the iconic, here's Johnny. Mm-hmm. And the here's Johnny scene took three days to film and 60 doors. Jesus. Jack Nicholson broke down 60 doors and said, the money here's Johnny. Three days. For three oh days. God. Absolutely redunculus yeah so she he's reaching through trying to unlock the door wendy swat like basically like chops at his hand and Mm -hmm. cuts the top of yes uh jack's hand like Mm -hmm. basically right on his knuckles which Mm -hmm. and all your tendons are on the top of your hand so if that knife was sharp enough damn that's a lot it kind of reminds me of um well i mean Sort of. But it reminds me of Gerald's game where she, like, degloves de-gloves her herself. Oh, we should watch. Oh um, anyways, uh, Dick has arrived at this mm-hmm. point. He is he is here. He's made it up the mountain in his snowcat. Um, and he is actually able to distract Jack because he has walked into the hotel. And he's like, hey, is anyone here? Can, you, can anyone hear me? I think that Dick brought the snowcat up the mountain and purposely was like hey hello hey anyone mm-hmm. there on purpose hmm. he sacrificed himself so that wendy and danny could live because he mean, can kind of see the future yeah he knows I mean, if, that jack's dangerous if he's psychic, why is he just walking around being like hello yeah. <laughs> if he's psychic that makes sense um yeah but unfortunately the way that he is able to distract jack is that looks like Jack putting an axe straight through right Dick's chest. Yep. And uh, because Danny and Dick have this like telepathic connection, Danny screams, mm-hmm. which gives up his hiding spot. Yes. So now Jack is chasing after Danny. I almost said Shelly. Wendy is running up the stairs of this hotel with the knife, trying to find um, Danny. And I just have a fun fact about this one. Mm-hmm. The scene where Wendy is running up the stairs carrying the knife, mm-hmm. that was shot 35 times. Which is the equivalent of running up the entire Empire State Building. Oh my god. So, holy motherfuck. That yeah. is a lot of stairs. Got her steps in that day. Yeah. If only she had a Fitbit back then. Oh, I was just going to say, if you have more context in between that and this, let me know. Because I think there was a point where I stopped Is it attention. the bear fucking scene? Oh yeah, I didn't. I had. I didn't get it. I don't know. Okay, good. I don't know. I didn't get it. I feel because this is based off of a book. This is based off. Yeah, of, 
a Stephen mm-hmm. King book. By the way, Stephen King hates this movie. I did see that. Yeah, he I calls read that. it like a like a a foreign. This movie is like a foreign luxury car with no engine in it. You can yeah, sit in I saw it, that. You can mm-hmm. say that it looks really nice, mm-hmm. but you can't really actually go yeah. anywhere with yeah. it, and it's not useful. Yeah. Um, I think this is something that has to do with the book that it's explained more in the book. Mm-hmm. But I didn't read the book, and I don't think a lot of people have read The Shining. I mean, I haven't. Um, well, the next note I have is Jack chasing Danny through the hedge maze. Mm-hmm. So if you have anything important between those No, two, I don't, know, but, but I do but... have fun facts. Okay. Um, so first of all, this movie was filmed on the same soundstage or the same studio as Star Wars Episode Five: Empire Strikes Back. So a lot of the fake snow which is made out of 900 tons of salt and crushed styrofoam is actually the same fake snow that they used in the Hoth scenes. None of that means anything to you. Whatever that means. But for any Star Wars, fellow Star Wars nerds, uh, it's the same snow. It's Hoth snow. Wow. Shut up. Anyway, um... Jack is chasing Danny through the hedge maze. And Wendy is just going through it. Yeah, well, Wendy has found Dick dead in the hallway. A dead Dick. Yeah. And she also starts seeing the spirits and the ghosts um, that Jack was seeing. She also sees the same vision of Dan, or the same vision that Danny had of the blood gushing into the hallway. That scene took one year to film one year yeah um she sees the lobby full of spider webs and skeletons mm-hmm. um there we cut back to the chase in the hedges and danny is so fucking smart mm-hmm. he i had the mental note i didn't actually write it down i was about to write it down and then this scene happened where he's in the snow and he's in the hedge and jack's just basically following danny's footprints in the snow mm-hmm. So Danny knows this Mm -hmm. and he stops and he starts to retrace his footsteps. Mm -hmm. He goes and backs up and walks in his footsteps and then kind of hides Mm -hmm. in one of the corners of the hedges. So then Jack gets confused. Mm -hmm. Doesn't know where he's going. This scene in the maze is a lot longer than it needs to be. But eventually we do find that Jack, he has gotten confused he has gotten lost and he has not found danny and he has frozen to death Mm -hmm. he freezes to death but danny does get out wendy and danny get into the snow cat Mm -hmm. and they live happily ever after assumably and i know that there are sequels to this movie i've never seen any of them um i didn't know them yes uh dr sleep is one of them there's another one Mm. dr sleep has ewan mcgregor in it i think Hmm. you should watch that yeah anyway um, and then we get a flash or like a zoom in of Jack being in one of the pictures for like a banquet for the 4th of July in 1921. Uh-huh. I don't get that. So, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of different directions you could go with that. Is he a ghost? But like, what? So he wasn't, none of this was real? Sure. I, I don't know. I'm sure there's Can plenty I of just theories. Just live on air, look it up. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's plenty of theories. 
The scene is being interp- has been interpreted in many ways. One of the most popular explanations is that it represents the hotel absorbing Jack's soul. Hmm. Kubrick himself has suggested that the photo actually suggests being being a reincarnation of an earlier official at the hotel. This makes sense that when going back to his conversation with Grady in the bathroom, where the butler tells Jack that he has always been the caretaker. It also fits the role of both Grady and characters mentioned in the film, the past caretaker and the ghost. The ghost is Delbert Grady, and the past caretaker was Charles Grady, the latter. Yeah. Well, I like the it absorbing his soul, so I'm going to say that. It absorbed his soul. And now he showed up in the picture. Anyways. Cool. Well, um... Thank you for... You gotta um, rate it real quick. I gotta do what? Rate it. Oh, um... One out of ten. Uh, no. Uh, how would you rate the movie one to five stars? Okay. <laughs> we change the rating system every Yes, single. we do. Can we do it on smiley faces instead? Okay. How one to five? Okay, I'm gonna give it... One to seven. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, on a scale of one to seven smiley faces, I am going to give it five and a half smiley faces. Five and a half? Mm-hmm. Just I'll generally. I'll give it a good six. Okay, and then what about scariness? scariness? Um, scariness, I will say out of what? One to seven smiley faces? Mm-hmm. One to seven shocked faces. Okay. I will say four. Okay. I mean. Actually three. I don't know. Honestly, I think just from personal trauma, there's nothing more terrifying than watching your loved ones literally go crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. So I think for that alone, honestly, it's it's pretty scary. I would I would give it. I'm gonna say again a five and a half shocked faces. Oh, okay. Like and only because it wouldn't keep me up at night. But if it would, then I would give it probably the full seven. Got it. Yep. Yeah. I mean, overall, this is a great movie. The fits are fire. Mm-hmm. The sets are fire. The um acting fire jack nicholson's great danny lloyd is great diane lloyd is actually um a biology teacher now fun fact um shelly duvall fantastic Mm -hmm. i think you really get the sense of like how hopeless she is she doesn't even have danny yeah let alone jack Mm -hmm. she's absolutely like alone yeah pretty much but you, it, she does phenomenal and she was put through so much that she, I wish, she, I hope that she's gone through therapy for it now. Yeah. Um, she's got some big old peepers. Oh yeah. Huge. Um, but she, she's great. And I love, I, I love imagery in movies to a certain extent i think this is one of those movies that's kind of been above and beyond i think it's intimidating i wish that i could go back and look into all the imagery that's in this movie but it's just so much that i think i drown in it so i'm not gonna bother doing that it's a really great movie i Um, like it yeah i like it a lot yeah so let me so uh 
10 yeah. out of 10. 10 out of 10. <laughs> Even we just said six, five and a half out of seven smiley faces. Um, so, uh, what was I going to say? So thanks for voting on this one. The next episode will be Kayla's choice. So you better think of something. It's going to be good. And um, you can follow us on Instagram to vote on the next poll, which mm-hmm. will be two weeks um, from now. Two weeks from now or so but we also post a couple of fun things on there from time to time well you can follow us on instagram as speak of the devil pod or on twitter which i should really try to be more active on at speak devil pod uh we post new episodes wednesdays at 10 a.m well we aren't scared of anything are you <laughs>